Amen. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. So good. Well, how are you guys doing? Good Easter so far? Yeah, like Wayne said, some of, our, uh, some of us, this is our second service today. Um, first service started at 7 a.m. I'm not really a morning person, so I'm kind of happy that's a once-a-year thing. Um, that's good. <laughs> that's good. So here's the deal. Spring has sprung, which if you know me, what does that mean? It means that the, the Seattle Mariners are playing. Who said baseball? Who is that? I, I heard, yeah, it was my son. Yeah, baseball is here. You actually do know me. <laughs> but even beyond the hopeless endeavor of thinking the Mariners are actually going to go to the World Series, um, it means that you get a little bit more sun, a little more sun. Maybe, though. We live in Seattle, so actually it doesn't look like this. In Seattle, it looks a little bit more like that. But, you know, the flowers are out. We got um, some daffodils. And this is kind of a neat picture because uh, there's actually the most beautiful daffodil princess over here, Kyla Ferris. Uh, in Carol, where's Carol? Carol, you out here? Carol, yeah, Carol's in the back. Carol showed me her hyacinths uh, earlier. Uh, we were over there. Last week, and she's got her hyacinths. Of course, we also have the trees blooming. You got the cherry trees. Anyone have a cherry tree? Or when you drive through the road, isn't that amazing? When it first turns and all the pink or dogwood. Anyone? Uh, we had a dogwood growing up in our backyard. A beautiful tree. And then uh, magnolia. This is actually a picture from our house. This is last year in spring. A beautiful magnolia tree that we have in our front yard. It's a great time to be alive, right? I mean, truly, like just a wonderful time to be alive. But then, do we have any allergy sufferers in the building? <laughs> right? I mean, wow! It's like it comes out of nowhere. You were fine one day, and then you wake up, and let's talk about those symptoms. Is it a headache? Uh, itchy throat? You know, runny eyes? You know, runny nose? Or itchy eyes, runny nose? Like it just, it kind of isn't that great. But can we just be honest? That's kind of how life goes. Right? There's good things and not so good things. But have you noticed that the good things and the not-so-good things, they all kind of happen at the same time, right? The beauty of the flowers, the blooming of the trees paired with the suffering of allergies. And then, you know, that's kind of a funny uh, way to, to go into it, kind of a more innocent way to go into it. But let's be honest, life gets harder than that. I, I, I say this often at LifeSpring, life is hard and then it gets harder. By the way, that's not a great way to grow a church. And they're like, man, never going back there. But that's the reality of life. Some of our greatest joys, triumphs, victories, they are paired with some of our greatest trials and hardships. The joy of getting married, right? How many people? Just the best day of my life. But then the challenge of staying married. Or think about children. And that baby comes out and it's just like, oh my goodness, like beautiful and precious and you know, you got the room all set up and you, you, you put them in that bed that they're supposed to sleep in. And yet that bed goes unused for years. You know, anyone else have that bed? Like, it's just beautiful, precious baby that won't go to sleep. Would you just please go to sleep? And that diaper, I didn't know something could come out of a human being like that. And it just, it, it's just the reality that is life. With the greatest joys, there's a challenge to life. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever allowed the challenges of life to steal away the joys of life? 
want to say that again. Have you ever allowed the challenges of life to steal away the joys of life? Where you were so afraid or so overwhelmed by the difficult, challenging, painful things that it's almost like you forgot to experience the bliss and the joy of it all. So you can't take pleasure in that flower or in that tree because you have a headache. Or you can't take joy in your marriage because your spouse didn't load the dishwasher right. Because we all know the pans go on the bottom. Otherwise the thing doesn't spin. Moving on. Or our kids. How many of us, this is just so true and I'm checked in my spirit on this one. How many of us have lost our ability to be just happy with our children, to enjoy our children because we get consumed by all the things that we think they're not doing right? That's, That's a real issue in life. But this is what I love about Jesus. This is why he's so good. Jesus, he comes into our life and he actually shows us, teaches us, models us. How to live a real life, not a pretend life where nothing bad or challenging ever happens, but he shows us how to live a real life, right? In the midst of conflict, stress, anxiety, fears, allergies, in the midst of it all, he shows us how to have joy and how to experience life. There's a moment in scriptures when Jesus, he's talking to his closest friends. We call them their tw- his 12 disciples. Maybe you've heard of that term. His 12 disciples, and they're having this conversation And it's pretty important what he's about to say because it's about pretty much the last in-depth conversation he's going to have with them. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who is dying or or about to die, but in those situations I find myself leaning in just a little closer as they speak, right? Because they don't have a lot of words left before they're gone. And so I want to hear what they say. And you can just imagine the disciples leaning in a little bit closer. And he says a lot of things to them. He tells them about how hard it's going to get. He tells them, actually, it's probably going to get harder. He says people are actually going to be out there who are going to think if they kill you that they are doing the right thing. He tells them that they're actually going to be filled with grief when he leaves. But then he also tells them that he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to live in them, to help them, to lead them into all truth. And he also tells them that that grief will turn into joy, joy, because he says, I'm coming back and I'm coming back for you. He says more than that, it's wonderful, it's powerful. But then he goes and he begins to pray to his father. Again, if you've read that part of John, you'll you'll know he begins to pray this amazing prayer to his heavenly father. But right before he begins to pray, he says this to his disciples. He says, and again, just imagine them leaning closer. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And again, that's why Jesus is so good and why I love him so very much. He doesn't always remove the trial or the hardship. In this world, we will have trouble. But whatever we are facing, we can face it all having peace in Jesus. In a world, I mean, let's be honest, in a world that just feels sometimes so crazy, volatile, chaotic, I am so thankful that I have a peace. That is found in Jesus. It isn't a peace based on circumstances. It isn't a based on the other people in my life. It is a peace based on Jesus. As a pastor, I walk into extremely intense situations where people are going just through the worst of life. Countless times in the midst of the crisis. And really at the pinnacle, the height of the crisis. I tell you, just countless times I've walked into that room and I've heard my Christian brother or Christian sister. They they say, you know, Dan, yes, it's hard and yes, it's difficult. But you know what, Pastor Dan? 
I have peace. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why. But Jesus has given me peace. Many of you in this room have told me that. You know what that is? That is peace in the midst of the storm. Right? It's not peace because of the absence of the storm. It isn't peace because the waters are still. It is actually a peace in the midst of the raging storm all around you. You have peace in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You know, there's another scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10, and this is what Jesus says. He goes, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But you know why I came? He says, I came that they may have life. Would everyone just say life? Life. Life. And he says, not just life, but life abundantly. Have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us abundant life, a full life, a life full of his love, full of his grace, full of his mercy. And yet life has some challenges and difficulties. But again, that's why Jesus is so good and I'm so thankful for him. That's why I love him because even in the midst of our challenges, I experience the fullness of life in Jesus. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Again, as a pastor, I see this played out time and time again. Believers who, if I was honest, if this was a poker game, I'd say, you know what? I feel like they've been dealt a bad deck of hand, uh, cards, right? Where your heart just breaks. You, have you, you know those people where you just think about what they're going through? The, the, just the suffering and the grief and the sorrow and the loss. And you're just like, wow. Like, I'm just so sorry that you're walking through this. And yet, how many times does that believer, they're just singing and they're dancing and they got this just life in Jesus. And you're kind of like, man, are you okay? Have you ever done that? Like, don't you know what you're going through? But they have Jesus. They have Jesus. Now, there might be tears streaming down their face. There might be sorrow in their hearts. But in the midst of it all, they have Jesus. Jesus has given them peace. Jesus has given them life. And again, not based on circumstances. Not based on whether the grass pollen count is high or low. No, it's a life based on Jesus. This life that Jesus offers. He promises us this life in Scripture. Listen to what he says. He goes, my sheep hear my voice and I know them They follow me. I, Jesus, give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. John says in a little different way. I just love how he says it. He goes, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. I love the verbiage there. Because it's not just that Jesus gives us life. But that Jesus is life. If you have Jesus, what do you have? You have life. So again, even though there are hard things that Christians face, just like everybody else in this world, there is a radical difference between Christians and the rest of this world because Christians face their troubles with life, full of Jesus and full of the life that he brings. That's also, by the way, why I love hanging out with Christians. Because of that life, the fullness of life. Christians, they're encouraging. They're loving. They're forgiving. They're gracious. They're kind. They're actually nice to me. And when they screw up, they're quick to say, I'm sorry. They're quick to make wrongs right. They turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile. I am so thankful for the Christ followers in my life. I just love it. I love seeing Jesus. Like, we were at that morning service. You just saw Jesus coming out of these people. The abundant life expressed through them. How is that even possible? How can they experience this life? Well, it's a life that is made possible by God's Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit. In the Bible, 
we're told that when Jesus went back to the Father, the Bible says it this way, that our Father God sent us the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. So the Spirit of God, He's been sent to us to live in us, to be at home in anyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus. So He sends us Holy Spirit to, to help us, to teach us, to lead us, that you and I, this is so encouraging to me, that you and I would never face a moment in this life that would be too big or too great for God's Spirit who lives inside of every Christ follower. Isn't that good? I mean, that, that's pretty good. And the Holy Spirit, He's been sent so that we can experience the peace that passes understanding, to experience the life that is abundant. But by the way, and I hope you're hearing me this morning, not just for someday, not for just someday in the future, right? Like that life will happen someday in my distant future. When I first became a Christian, maybe some of you would agree with me, but when I first became a Christian, I thought that the life that Jesus gave me was for later. Like maybe it was for when I died, right? That's what eternal life is about, is once I'm done breathing on this earth, now I get to experience eternal life. And yet, this is what I love about walking with Jesus, you actually learn stuff from him, right? The, the, the more I've been walking with him, the more the, the Spirit of God has been inside of me, the more I'm realizing that the life that he has given me is not just for someday in the future, it is for today. Today, I'm walking in the joy of eternal life. He's not just good enough for my future, and boy is he, but he's good enough for today. So regardless, again, what I'm going through, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, he wants to be the love, he wants to be the peace, he wants to be the life that I need. And not just for tomorrow, but right here, right now. Again, that's why I love Jesus, and that's why he's so very good. I'm glad you guys are here with us this morning. You could have been anywhere on an Easter morning, and you chose to celebrate and worship the King of Kings with us. Thank you for being here. I want you to know that there's no reason that any of us would have to leave here today without receiving that peace and the life that Jesus offers. None of us. We could all leave here with that life. And come on, here's the deal. You're going to need it. Have you lived before? (laughs) You're going to need it. Here's the deal. Some of you... You're going to leave here, and you're going to be going out, and you're going to be hanging out with family. And hanging out with family can be so good. Like, just look at this picture of this fictional, non-existent family in their backyard. It's great, right? But then you start talking about religion and politics, and all of a sudden you got Grammy Bursch putting Papa Bursch in a headlock. Getting you, Papa. Okay, I have to just tell you. My, so I, I had my parents take that picture, and my mom is like, now you've got to tell everyone that in our 50 years of marriage, I have never put him in a headlock. And, and if she watches this online, I, I just got to be right with my mom. You know what I'm talking about. I, 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 to be fair to her, when I told her to put him in a headlock, she asked me, what's a headlock? So I showed her how to do it. But come on, you know what it's like to walk into that family gathering. And I don't want any of us walking into it on our own, right? In our own strength, by our own willpower. I I want us walking in there with Jesus. I want us walking in there with the help of God's Spirit, who could actually teach us what to say, but come on, what not to say. That He would lead us and guide us into that gathering. And I believe God wants to be that for all of us today. Again, Jesus is that good. But the life He offers, it's good. It's full, it's amazing, but it's also free, free for you 
to receive today. You don't have to give the church a certain amount of money. You don't have to follow and obey the five magical steps to life. You don't have to do anything but put your faith in the name of Jesus. Romans 6.23 describes it this way, that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God offers all of us today the free gift of eternal life. Now, don't get me wrong, there was a cost. In fact, there was a steep price that had to be paid for your life. The life that Jesus offers us is actually extremely costly, but Jesus is so good. Jesus paid the price. Jesus purchased your freedom. Now, I realize in a room like this, some of you have never heard that before. You didn't know that Jesus paid the price for your life, but he did. That's how much he loves you. He, he paid the price for your life. But he did it, actually, in a way that almost feels counterintuitive. But he brought us life through his death. Through his death. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to understand why would someone have to die to give us life. Have you ever wrestled with that? I have. But see, whether we like it or not, the only way for us to truly live was for Jesus to truly die. Now, long before Jesus came to earth, and you remember when he came to earth, we celebrate uh, about three months ago, it is Christmas, right? A baby boy born in Bethlehem. Uh, we got some really cool songs out of that one, so thank you, Jesus. But long before Christmas, that first Christmas, we as human beings, we were lost in sin. Lost in sin. I, it's just those areas of rebellion, those areas of lawlessness, whether it be your lying or your stealing, maybe your envy, your jealousy. We were all guilty of sin. Romans 5 tells it so well. He says that when Adam sinned, remember Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden? He said when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin, it brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sin. Now, because God is perfectly just, and we believe that about God, He's full of justice, perfectly just. Because of this, a price had to be paid for our sin. Not just the big ones, but every single sin. Earlier I read Romans 6.23, but I only read the second half. The first half tells us this, that the wages of sin is death. Ever since sin entered the world, sin has brought death. And the wages of sin is death. But God, who is perfectly just, he is also perfectly loving. Hallelujah. And out of his perfect love for us, right toward the beginning, in the first five books of the Bible, he makes a way for our sins to be atoned for. He is so good. He makes a way for our sins to be covered. A sacrificial system is set up. You can read about it again at, towards the beginning of the Bible. God allows an animal to die in my place. An animal to die in our place. It's a substitute. It's a substitute. Instead of us dying, this animal dies for our sins. And so you would bring an offering, and it would be sacrificed, right? It would be killed. Instead of who? Instead of me. Instead of you. Now, I think to our American minds, first of all, it just sounds inhumane. It's kind of violent, bloody, all those things. And yet, we've got to remember, out of, it was out of God's love for His people that he sets up this system to cover our sins. But it was an imperfect sacrifice. The Bible says this, that day after day, every priest would stand and perform his religious duties again and again, offering the same sacrifices. So day after day, again and again, animal after animal after animal after animal. 
offering these sacrifices. But what does it say? It says, but they could never take away our sins. They could cover our sins for a time, but they could never take away our sins. But then Jesus comes on the scene, and when Jesus comes and when Jesus dies, he dies as the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the substitute for our sins. Do you remember John the Baptist? I don't know if he was Baptist or not, but that's what we call him. Um, but John, he comes in. And you remember when Jesus is walking towards him, and he catches John's attention. John looks at him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who what? Who takes away the sin of the world. The author of Hebrews says it this way, For by one sacrifice, Jesus made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So again, those priests, they sacrificed animals day after day, again and again. But Jesus, did he have to die again and again and again and again? No, Jesus, he died once. It was Jesus' one sacrifice, Jesus' one death that made us perfect. His death was enough for me and enough for you to cover and even remove all of my sins and all of your sins. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's incredible news. Romans 3 tells it this way. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, price is right. Like, womp, 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 But all are justified freely by His grace. Come on through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, we all sin. We're all deserving of death. But God, in His radical love for us, He made a way for us by God's amazing grace. If you call on the name of the Lord, if you put your faith in His sacrifice, Jesus can give you life. Praise the Lord. Now that death that Jesus dies on that cross, right before He dies, the last words that He speaks. And again, these are the last words He speaks before He gives up His Spirit. And so we might want to just lean in a little closer and hear what He has to say. But the last words, there are three words. He simply says this. It is finished. A.W. Pink says this. It is finished, he writes. This was not the despairing cry of a helpless martyr. It was not an expression of satisfaction that the end of his sufferings was now reached. It was not the last gasp of a worn out life. No, it was the declaration on the part of the divine redeemer that all for which he came from heaven to earth to do was now done. That all which was needful to reveal the glorious character of God had now been accomplished. That everything necessary for putting away the sins of his people, providing for them a perfect standing before God, securing for them an eternal inheritance and fitting them for it, it had all been done. In the Greek, it is finished. It's just one word. Just one word. Tetelestai. Memorize that one. Show off at the, the Easter family dinner. Like, tetelestai. But then you have to explain it. This is what it means. Tetelestai. There's a lot of different definitions of tetelestai. A lot of different ways it was used back in the day. A servant, after you had completed your task, after you finished your job. Tetelestai. It would be used by a priest when a sacrificial animal came and it was found worthy to be slaughtered. Tetelestai. It was used by a farmer when the perfect animal was born. It was used by an artist. I love this. Used by an artist after those last brush strokes were done on that painting. Have you ever done this? And you just step back and you go, it is 
finish, to telestai. It was used by two parties when you're haggling in the market. And we don't do a lot of haggling anymore, but just a haggling in the market. And after both parties agree, you shake hands to telestai. It is done. But you know what? Maybe my favorite use of the word and one that is so appropriate for what Jesus did on that cross is to telestai paid in full. To telestai paid in full. I'll, I'll never forget my pastor. This is over a decade ago. My pastor telling us about this truth on Easter morning. That when Jesus breathed out to telestai, he was letting me know, he was letting you know that our debt, our sin debt, it had been paid for, paid in full. Again, the wages of sin is death. Someone has to die for my sin. A perfectly just God. He could never let any sin go unpaid for. But our perfectly just God is also perfectly loving and merciful. And out of his love and his mercy, he gives us the gift of his son, his one and only son, the perfect lamb of God, that whosoever would believe in his sacrifice, whosoever would put their faith and trust in his sacrifice, they would receive his death as a payment for our life, our sins paid in full. Now that's some good news. And that's why I love Jesus so much. And when you combine what he did on the cross with what we celebrate today, that he rose three days later from the dead, you can truly say that Jesus is so good and I love him so much. In him, in him alone is life, true, abundant life. That's what we celebrate on Easter, right? It's more than the bunny, more than the candy. You know, some Christians are against that stuff, and that's fine. Um, but but I, I enjoyed looking after those eggs. Though I, I told this last week or two weeks ago, there was one egg that we never found in the living room, and we found it uh, about a month later, but not because we found it, but we smelled it. <laughs> but Easter is much more than eggs, much more than chocolate bunnies. Easter is the fact that He's alive. And because He's alive, guess who else is alive? I'm alive. You're alive. You're alive. See, when Jesus walked out of that grave, he proved his authority and his power over sin and death. Did you know that? Sin, death, defeated in the mighty name of Jesus. The Bible says this, that Christ rose from the dead and he is never going to die again. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. And because Jesus was resurrected, I have the hope of resurrection. That God raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So today we celebrate. We celebrate that it is done. That death has died and love has won. Because of Jesus, today, today, every one of us can have joy and love and peace and eternal life. Amen. Dear Church, we are severely underselling Jesus' work on the cross and the miracle of the resurrection. We love to talk about his birth, his ministry here on the earth, but whenever it comes to his death, when all the breath was gone from his chest and he was left lying motionless as his mother wept, we kind of like to skip over this text. And because of that, we fail to realize what his resurrection actually meant, what it signifies for us today, for you, right now. 
that it is through his resurrection we know that life is stronger than death. Love is stronger than hatred. Hope is stronger than despair. We know the promise of eternal life is available to any of those who dare to cast away their burdens and cares and submit themselves to the one who none can compare. We know the resurrection fully renewed the relationship between you and your creator. That when the temple veil was ripped like a single piece of paper, the connection was restored between creation and its Lord. And not because of anything that we have done. It is all because of the death of his son. Because if Jesus hadn't died in our place, then we could never enter the pearly gates. We would never look upon his face. We would never have experienced the sweet, sweet taste of his love. You see, man couldn't fulfill the debt of sin. And God couldn't relate to fallen men. So Jesus had to pay the price that we couldn't. He had to live the life that we wouldn't. Upon that wooden cross, he died when he shouldn't. Because it should have been you and me. Jesus took the burden away from every single person of having to perform to show that they're worthy. We can now know for certain that our future was determined on that cross. You see, we belonged on that cross, not him. We should have hung from that cross, not him. We deserve to be beaten and bruised, but not him because we have all rejected the truth, not him. That is why the cross is so important. That is why Easter shouldn't be ignored. Because whenever that stone rolled away, whenever Jesus walked out of that grave, he made it so that we would no longer be enslaved. That all of our sins had been weighed and had been placed upon that cross. Upon that beautiful, beautiful cross. So during this Easter time, I ask that you reflect on the gift that we have all been given. Don't just go to church to fulfill a family tradition, but actively celebrate in the fact that He has risen, and the fact that we have all been forgiven. Because what was meant for death brought life. Our 
Savior chose the mercy tree. Hope went dark that violent day. The whole earth quaked at love's display. Three days silent in the crowd. His body born for heaven's crown. And all that bright and glorious day, when heaven opened up the Pray with me, church. Lord, in this moment, we stand before you. Just in our humanness, not even feeling like we have it all put together or like we know all the answers, but we just come to you as we are, just as we are, the good, the bad, the ugly. Sometimes it feels like we have it together, but other times it just feels like we're a mess. But Jesus, you invite us to come to you as we are. So we come to you, Lord. And as we're praying, some of you, 
you just know that there's a weight to your sin. You, you know that there is. There's a cost to your sin, and, and you feel that weight. And God is not here to condemn you. The Bible is very clear. He did not send His Son to condemn you, but to save you. And so if you want that life in Jesus, if, if you want to experience that forgiveness of sins, not just the big ones, but every single sin. Again, as we're just praying and hopefully everyone, we can just respect one another enough just to be in a posture and attitude of prayer. But if that's you, if you want to receive his life today, if you want to say, Jesus, I believe your death and what you did on that cross is enough to pay for my sins. If you want to receive that peace, that life in Jesus today, would you raise your hand high? Because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that you don't have to leave here with anything but just a complete forgiveness of sins. And so again, if we could just not be looking around, please, I, just for the sake of, this is a moment that can change our lives. I, I see you, absolutely. Anybody else? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else? You know, this is just between you and the Lord, and I, I'm standing with you, and I'm here to encourage you too. God loves you. I love you. Lord, I just thank you so much for those who raised their hands. And Lord, this is just a moment between you and them. And let's pray with them, church. And again, this, we get so churchy and religious, but can this just be an honest prayer to the Lord? Just repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, first of all, I love you. And thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. Today, I give you my life. Today, I believe in your sacrifice. That the wages of my sin is death. But the gift of God found in Jesus Christ is life. Today I believe in life. Today I choose life. Today I leave here with life. All in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just celebrate church? Celebrate those. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to encourage you, um, if you did uh, raise your hand to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's a journey, it's a walk. By the way, there's a lot of tripping in that walk. There's, it's kind of messy at times, but he's really gracious and he's very kind. As the Bible says his kindness leads us to repentance, and he will walk you through that journey. Uh, it, you know, you're probably going to sin a thousand times and then a thousand more. It's just part of the gig, but he's also going to change you. He's also going to work on your heart and work on your attitude and work, just work on you. He's, I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. But now you get to walk with Jesus through it all. Now you get the power of the Holy Spirit helping you and leading you and teaching you through it all. We have these, we call them starter kits. There's a Bible in there. There's a couple of things from me in there as well and other materials. We'd love for you to grab one on your way out. Also, um, we made these really cool um, uh, trinkets, I think you would call them. They're actually magnets. You can put them on, uh, on your refrigerator. And thanks to Debbie Kuykendall, it says simply this, three words, love has won. Love has won. And the reason we really wanted to put this in your hand, and I could get emotional on this, but when you're in your family, when you're at your job, when real life hits you, and it will, That the challenges of life will not steal away the joys of life. 
And you will remember that because of Jesus, love has won. Amen?